Hey, Brian, would you mind messing with my brain probe real quick? Very similar to Gemma in this episode. I can't remember anything that happened last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you left two empty bottles of Fireball out on the countertop last night. That, that's why you can't remember anything. Mm, that does not compute. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. And this is our review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 6, titled Adapt or Die. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Joining me, as always, is the mad scientist Brian Banner to review this as we do all of our TV episodes on the four Bro Four Squad criteria, which is the acting, the story, our favorite scene, and then any theories or questions we have going forward. So shout out to Trend Pimp, as always, before we get started. Brian, the acting and cast here. Uh, this was, I think, maybe some of the best performances, or at least the most was asked of the actors so far this season. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, we always talk about the main cast, how good they are day, week in and week out. And um, again, we can't go any more positive with any of those people. I want to say something about Patrick Warburton. He was absolutely perfect in this episode. He did a great job of being skeptical, but also trying to still be the head of shield and coming around to, okay, these space traveling aliens, uh, robot things are a thing. And these space time traveling shield agents are a thing also. And I guess I have to pick one of them to, uh, believe. And just, he still had that charismatic, that kind of sarcastic, snarky, I'm funny, but being serious uh, thing that he does so well. He had it down just perfectly, and it really shined in this episode. And I cracked up at the end when he shook May's hand, and she was like, oh my god, you're so horny. Because <laughs> she can read his emotions. He did a great job of being like his typical dry self. Like you said, the guy who doesn't, he is very confused by what's going on but he still has to put on a cool face as the leader of the shield base yeah another another thing i gotta say is i was on the henry simmons train till he had to push his chromacon mom out of the plane i just didn't quite buy his emotions in that moment i just i felt like it was weird i don't know if he was trying too hard wasn't trying hard enough sometimes i feel like that real strong emotion that's not his strong suit being kind of out of control of what's going on is not where he shines. And I I don't want to say he did a bad job, but he did not do a good job in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing I'll say to that point about Henry Simmons is when he has to go with emotion, I feel like everything he does just comes off as angry. Like how many times has he just been mad at someone else on the show? Yeah. And it's like, I get it, that's great, but is there anything else in that well of emotion? Do you have anything else you can pull out besides you're pissed off? Because like... Even this dealing with the loss of his parents, like physically having to basically kill them, knowing they're already dead and then you basically have to kill them too. I was like, you're you're mad. I get that. But is there anything else there? And I didn't really get that. Again, 
that part of the episode happened so fast that it was almost tough for me to kind of process it all. Yeah, and it was it was you know obviously the ending of a fairly good fight scene. I mean, probably the some of the most action we got all episode. So it's it it was it's a tough it's a tough part to play, and I understand that. But when you've done as well as this entire cast has done, all really all show, all series, all season, and you don't deliver it it really pops out as not being good. Two quick things I'll say. Thomas Sullivan, who played Nathaniel Malik. Interested to see your thoughts on here. I think he was great. I think this kid was really, really good. Maybe you'll disagree, but when he walked in and was kind of playing the cat and mouse with Daisy and Sousa, I bought him as a menacing villain. And he was kind of one step ahead of them, like all the shit he knew. Um, he wasn't going to fall for any of their tricks. And I actually thought that the stakes were really high this episode and the sort of the parallels between what happened to Jaiing getting experimented on with Whitehall and then Daisy with him was really interesting. And then maybe we'll get into this in best scene, but everything with Daisy and Sousa I thought worked really well too. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, first off, I think anytime we get Daisy and Sousa together, it's going to be a great scene. I mean, we've said that two, three, four episodes in a row now. So you could pretty much just say that's at least going to be on the honorable mention. Now, the guy playing Nathaniel Malik, I was pretty sure he was doing good, but I also couldn't tell because Sousa and and Daisy are so good together and they are so good on screen that I wasn't sure if they were bringing him up or if he was actually rising to the occasion. Yeah, I I definitely wanted more of him, but I'll maybe... be very interested to see if if he gets more. I mean, I. We'll get into this in theories, but is he alive? Is he dead? We don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Anything else or you want to move on to story? Let's move on to story. All right. So according to my TV time app, the plot synopsis of this episode called Adapt or Die is after blowing its cover and damaging the Zephyr in the process, the team must scramble to rescue Mac's parents, save S.H.I.E.L.D. from a Chronicom Chronicom infestation and fix the ship. Daisy and Sousa are at a disadvantage against Nathaniel Malik. So once again, we have three stories. We have Mac and Yo. Well, I guess two inside of the uh, lighthouse. But Mac and Yo-Yo inside the lighthouse rescuing his parents. Coulson is there with May as well, trying to stop the Chronicons. Everything on the ship with Simmons and Deke and Enoch. And then, of course, uh, as we mentioned, Daisy, Sousa, and Malik. So what do you think of the story? Uh, I thought it was great. Like you said before, the stakes were so high. I felt like on kind of every level of this episode. Um, this was the episode where Sousa is part of the team now. I thought the way that he uh, interacted with Daisy and said, look, I'm not going to let you die. This is what happened when I you know, fucked up my leg, and this is what he did. Um and then her obviously pulling that shard of glass out of her hand, which still oh. gives me fucking chills thinking about it now. That showed me that, A, he is part of the team now, which it's really late in the game, but I'm so excited for it. And it, it validated that they made the right decision by saving him in the in the 50s. So I loved everything with Sousa and Daisy. I thought that was probably my favorite storyline again with the parallels um, with her mom getting experimented on and then her getting experimented on and then them kind of having this weird, I don't even know. It's almost like an older brother relationship and younger sister relationship or maybe cousins that they're, they're in it together now and that developed really fast, but it, 
works really well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one that hit me emotionally the hardest, for sure. For some reason, the Mac one rang a little bit hollow to me. I wanted it to hit, <laughs> hit harder. I had a lot of fun with the Colson and May one. I think yeah. a lot of it, again, is that they got to be with Patrick Warburton the whole episode. I... I agree. The the stuff with Mac was kind of hollow throughout the episode, but in that last scene, when after obviously he had to kill his fake parents, and then he rode off in the in the motorcycle just to get some R and R, just to clear his head. I think that's something that we took for granted how good Coulson was of taking himself out of the moment for a minute and cracking a joke, or mm-hmm. you know, giving giving good healthy advice to somebody else. Mac hasn't done that. And so he's trying to carry all of this on his shoulders, and he really, really needs some R&R. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be filled with a bunch of Zimas with, with Deke. So I don't know how relaxing right. that's going to be. But um, it's, Real quick, I was just going to say it's interesting since Mac has been in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., you realize tactically he might be a better head of S.H.I.E.L.D. than Coulson was. But that is only a fraction of the job. It's really managing this team and their he's personalities not, and their issues. And he has trouble yeah. with that. He's not good at mentoring others, mm-hmm. and he's not good at putting others in a situation to be successful. He's just good at saying, hey, this is the path we need to go down to be successful, but he doesn't put the right team members in place to make that happen. He's like the coach that's good with X's and O's, but he's really not a good motivator. He doesn't get the yeah. most out of his guys. Yeah, he's like the opposite of a good recruiter. <laughs> there you go. He, would he be paying players? Probably not. He, Colson would be like the guy at your dinner table. Like I love, you. I love your son. Like Jerry Maguire talking yeah. about Kush. I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that the episode as a whole was great. I like the stuff with Colson and the seer lady as well. Then yeah, I'm kind of get into that in scene and how. Okay, me too. So. Do you just want to go straight on that, or you got some more on on story? I'm good. Let's do it. So what I'll just say about that best scene, Coulson talking to Sybil, very important exposition that at least I needed. Coulson was asking questions to her that I've been asking the entire season. Agreed. Like, what does this mean? Why is this happening? And I just thought it was a really clever way for the writers to do that with Coulson's sort of snark that we love so much, where he's like, I'm still kind of the smartest guy in the room. Um and that, I thought they did a great job at the end of saying, you know, like, okay, you answered all my questions. I'm going to tell you where you're wrong. Yeah. And then they kind of did those cut scenes to showing us each kind of faction of the team, what they were doing to back up what he was saying. Just so well done. A great cat and mouse kind of feeling each other out uh, scene. Very, very well written. And like you said, it answered questions I needed answered as well. Yeah. So for all the times that we complain in like the Star Wars prequels that exposition has beaten us over the head, this was an example of how you can use it properly to actually really help the audience. Yep. Now I'm, I may be in the minority where I had a few things I was confused about that were like not quite really detracting from the season yet, but like if I didn't figure them out soon, I was gonna be like, dude, what the fuck is happening here? So that was a necessary thing to do here. To, Agreed. To- um, another thing I had for best scene, again, this was a lot of character stuff, man. Uh, the Sousa and Daisy moment in the, with the barn or wherever they were. And Sousa's speech to her about when he hurt his leg yeah. was again, like you said, it, it, he was been on the roster, but this is when he officially became a member of Colson's team and hit the agents of shield that we know. 
he's that September call-up that they needed. He's going to win them the championship now. Yeah, and now he's comfortable in the clubhouse. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think that all that works. And again, I mean, we've only had him for what four episodes? Yeah, I think like three and a half. Three, yeah, three four. and a half ish. Yeah. They have done a extremely good job of building his chemistry and incorporating him into this team and making him making me feel like he's included and he is a valued member of this team so quickly. I mean, let's think about I think he is more part of the team than Deke is, and Deke's been with, with us for three fucking seasons. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I and don't, they made Deke related to two of our favorite characters. Right, which is even like, – I, I, don't, I don't know what, what's going on there. But I uh, – yeah, I think that that scene and really – it wasn't really a scene. It was really multiple scenes. It was every time we saw them in that barn, which was three or four different times, it just – like I said before, every time they're on screen, I'm in. They're great. I think what works so well about that scene too uh, – Daisy is someone we've so rarely seen compromised or vulnerable. You know, she's she's been this badass chick that kicks a ton of ass. So to see her put in that compromising position is really unique. And then how it plays with Sousa, who he doesn't know these people from the team. He's he's not sure. Like he was someone that Daisy was like, okay, this guy doesn't know that I'm like a badass. I can be more. Well, she kind of had to be more vulnerable around him. But that played so interestingly because Sousa's just seeing all this with fresh eyes. He doesn't know all the things Daisy's gone through to get to that point. So he can just relate to her and she knows that it's honest. It's not him trying to play to like, hey, don't worry about being uh, chopped up and having your body fluids drained. It's okay to be vulnerable every once in a while. He's like, no, really? Like my leg was basically like mangled up and I know what this feels like. If that makes any sense. All right. Theories, questions. First one I have. You think it's their brother and sister. I think that the show, as a theory, they could be shipping Daisy and Sousa. That could be maybe a romantic relationship that they're starting to form. I don't know. I think that they've had Daisy kind of... They tried having her romantically involved several times, and it never really worked for me. I like her being just a very strong, independent character that takes care of herself and uses Colson as a mentor and that that helper and helping stepping stone that she really needs that rock I don't I don't want her to be romantically involved I want them to truly be I have your back and not because I love you in a sexual way I have your back because I love you because we are family and I will go to the ends of the earth for you yeah I know that it would be a decision that the showrunners would make that would be met with some opposition, but I don't think it's something we can rule out. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we can rule out. And I think because of the two actors and the two characters that are in place, I don't think you can go wrong with that. I think they would do a very, very good job at making me buy that. Mm -hmm. I just don't know at this point if I'm ready for that. Yeah. I hear you. All right. What do you got? So, first biggest question I have, why are Mac's parents so much smaller than him? Like, <laughs> a lot smaller. <laughs> Good question, I guess. I just I just need to know, like, his dad's like a foot shorter than him, and his parents side by side aren't as thick as him. It's like how, uh, like, all the athletes in the NFL are just way bigger than they were before. We're, we're just, we're eating more protein. Mac clearly had to set a dumbbells in his room since he was like four. 
that helped. Yeah. He's been doing by. Probably also had a syringe and a needle next to his bed. Unrelated, whatever. completely erroneous on both counts. Those weren't even his. Yeah. So, uh, next question I got. Okay. Do you think Colson's gone? No, actually, one of my theories is uh, so we're in 1982. About, is that where we ended up? Yeah. Okay. Eight years before Captain Marvel. Okay. Why don't we just go grab like 25 year old Colson? I mean, like real Phil Colson. I don't know. I like this LMD Colson though. Well, he blew up though. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean they can't make another one. It's exploded. But yeah, but if you want to get him back in the show, there's a lot of ways to do it now. I agree. And I think just playing devil's advocate here, if he's not back in the show, that is the biggest bullshit ever. He deserves back. This he deserves so much more. They've dragged him back in. He should have been gone three different fucking times, and they keep finding ways to drag him back in, which I'm fine with, other than Sarge, but he deserves more than just like, oh, I'm sacrificing myself because of all of them. Like it's he's already done the sacrifice play multiple times. So, like he said, that is his superpower. Dying is his superpower. Mm-hmm. I need him to come back, and I need him to die a couple more times. I think this was a theory I just thought of, but um, we might get a few. Like, they might meet Coulson in the current timeline, not take him with them, and then just meet up with him again in the other one. I can see this show now ending maybe at the Battle of New York, which is pretty much where it started. I would be okay with that. Some iteration of that, which would be cool. And again, that plays into my theory that I've had since episode one episode two where they're going to connect all of this back to the movies yeah somehow and i think i think that would be a perfect if you're marvel you have to be trying to work towards that because you've already accomplished the marvel cinematic universe you have you have perfected and you wrote the blueprint of how to make a connected universe would this not be the cherry on top to go hey look we started a show it was connected we clearly broke it apart and we had clear lines where it's not connected, but we were able to bring it full, back full circle and it all still makes sense. It would be an awesome task. It will and, never happen again. But I, 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 still, think it off. I still stand by this, and I think you're saying the same thing too. It doesn't have to for me to be happy or satisfied with the show. Agreed. But I think at this point, the show's writers are so clever that it would almost be like a fucking hold my beer, watch this. Oh, for sure. It'll be a hold my beer. Watch this. I mean, I think this whole show in general has kind of been that. I mean, how many people I mean, when when we first started watching this seven years ago or however long it was and they said, oh, we're going to have a show, but it's not it's going to be in the same universe, but not connected, but it kind of is connected. And then we have this huge event in Winter Soldier and it has huge repercussions for the show. And they did a really good job of molding all that together. That's been a big fuck you to everybody else who can't do that or has tried to do that yeah i mean at the time that they started the show I, i'm sure they m- might have originally had plans to make it not really connected as they went on but the winter soldier twist like you can't avoid that if you even want to pretend this exists in the same universe like you can't be on the peripheral with that particular storyline because it's literally the whole premise of the organization you're following has been turned on its head so since then, I agree. They Just for the sake of the show, so they could do more stuff, they've taken the characters the MCU didn't really want to use or interesting ones that they knew they never would use, and they've been able to make their own identity to top it all off with a way to say, hey, also, we're still kind of connected to the universe would be cool, but again, not necessary, I don't think. So I've got another theory here. 
I think Daisy will get her powers back. All right. Her mom did every time Whitehall experimented on her, right? Mm-hmm. I think Nathaniel Malik is going to still be alive. And the mission moving forward is going to be stopping him from tearing the earth apart the way that they needed to stop Daisy back in season five from becoming uh, destroyer of worlds or oh, whatever her name was. So I think they're just going to transplant Malik into Daisy's <clears throat> role. And Malik is now the one that destroyed the earth that led to them being in space in the future. Again, the show keeps kind of going back to all these historical events with shield and with the show. I think that's another one that they could very easily do and that they've set up for fairly nicely. That would only take an episode, episode and a half to, to round back up before we get to the next kind of hurdle. That would be a cool way to tie in the season that I, the whole time I've been thinking like the one with Deke where I'm like, that one is going to be really difficult to, to somehow fit, fit yeah. into the time travel. Cause it's like earth isn't the thing right <laughs> that season. It's like a, it looks like the Death Star when they're rebuilding it. Basically. And they went they went to to all the Kree, which just right. aren't things either. Yeah, and the Kree, in this show at least, have never really particularly interested me. Like, that stuff's always, to me, kind of been weaker. That was probably the weir- worst season, in my opinion. And I really didn't like last season with the Shrike. I'm, that's a different discussion. Yeah, that's a whole other show. What else you got? Anything? Um... I don't know. Are we ever going to get fits? I mean, they keep, they keep I'm, I'm gonna, teasing us. Yeah, I'm not going to keep harping on this. We are not going to see fits until the last episode is my theory. This is the this is the first time, though, in the season that they've actually mentioned him by name and given us some sort of explanation of where he's at and why he's there and why he's not with the team. Like, so we I, have a clear understanding of why he isn't there. The only chance I think we would have to see him earlier would be if they do what they have done in previous seasons, which I do believe were longer than 13 episodes is the only reason I don't think this is going to happen, but where they have sort of the dual villains, you know, where like halfway through the season, they beat one threat, but it actually kind of segues into the next threat because as long as the chronicoms are basically the foil to the agents of shield fits really cannot be with the team. And I don't see them. I don't see them defeating the Chromicons. I think they're having too much fun and it's working too well with the time travel. I agree. Like I say, we just ride this out. I know. I I hate to say it because obviously Fitz is one of my favorite characters, but it's the way that it's playing out. It's better without him than it would have been with him. Yeah. I was going to say, if if I asked you, you can have Fitz back in the show, but we're not going to be time jumping anymore. What would you say? Probably want the time jumping if I knew it was going to be like this. Now, I I was not a fan of the 30s, loved the 50s. The 70s was fun, and now I'm excited to get into um, an era where I'm going to be able to start to remember kind of the references and the shows and things like that. We're getting to my my demographic, my age group now, as far as chronologically goes. So it's making me more excited. So we have seven episodes left. We can do two in the 80s, two in the 90s, two in the early 2000s, and then a wrap-up episode for the whole series. I'd rather do that than like have to give that up to, to just to get Fitz back in the show, I think. I would agree with that statement. Just because it's I'm having too much fun with it right now. Yeah. So last thing I've got real quick is I'm really excited to see the fallout 
of Deke and Mac having to hang out and dealing with the fallout of Deke shooting Malik against uh, Mac's orders. Obviously, we know that they're trapped in, what are we, in 76 now, and the team is in 82 or wherever. I think Deke and Mac are in 82. Okay. Either way, they're in a different timeline from everyone else. Yeah, we don't know where the team jumped yet. Having them together, right, is going to be interesting and them playing off of each other. Because there's this season, there's been like a, not a power struggle, but a weird struggle between those two characters. Deke trying to be a team player and be part of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also not just being a soldier, what Mac needs. So them kind of having a come-to-Jesus meeting in this next episode, I think, is going to be the sink-or-swim episode for Deke. I, he's had more good episodes than bad episodes this season. I hate to say it. Yeah. But this, this could be his is-he-part-of-the-team episode. A theory I have actually tying off of the Mac thing. So because of the death to Mac's parents, he was not raised by them like in that timeline. Is there a chance that we see a Mac, probably not in 82, but because it's only six years after his parents died, but a little bit further down the line where Mac is a bad person in the timeline because his he did not have his parental figures in his life? Like if we go to the early 2000s, could Mac... A younger Mac could be like the villain, a villain that they face. Um, yes. My only caveat to that or my only thing is, is that they haven't shown us, which I know. I mean, I guess they really can't yet, but I don't know if we're ever going to get a Mac meeting Mac situation or like a Gemma meeting Gemma from different alternate universes or or multiverse. I don't I don't know that we're going to get that. I don't think I think that. Again, under the assumption that the movies and the show are still tied together, they don't want to deal with any sort of multiverse stuff until Doctor Strange 2. Sure. So I would love that, though. I love that idea, actually. Maybe having a not yoked up uh, Oh, he'd be yoked up. No, he'd be yoked up. Okay. Actually, this Mac might even do leg day, too. Ooh, okay. Now you're losing me on the theories. He's a villain. He's got... Just gotta also do. Are you doing a distance run? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Uh, it's just yeah, cardio. It's, just, it's and instead of the shotgun axe, he'll have like a bayonet. It's like the earlier version of that. Like a bayonet pistol. There you go. Or like what's the gun blade from like Final Fantasy? He'll fucking have one of those. <laughs> so a question I have, and again, I this is not a deal breaker to me because I think the Chronicoms are a very interesting th- foil here, but I don't. Even after Symbol explained it, I don't understand why time jumping helps their plan. If they can essentially live forever without resources and they want Earth to repopulate their race, why, like, why don't they just wait for the, the human race is probably going to kill ourselves in like the next 200 years anyway. Why don't you guys just hang out in space and then you can come down and repopulate? Yeah, I mean, you guys just got to wait for 2020 and it'd be fine. Or do they need, like, because I don't think they need us for anything to repopulate. They just don't want us on the planet. So I guess that is the time jumping thing. Like we can get you to eliminate yourselves in the future. I, yeah, I don't understand. I I've said it a few episodes ago. I don't understand the Chromacons. I don't know. I don't really get their motivations for everything. I know they want a new planet, but like you said, why I don't get that to repopulate. Well, you don't necessarily, you already proved that you can steal people's faces. So why can't you just like live like men in black style and live in the shadows? 
Yeah, I just don't understand how time traveling accomplishes what they want. But I'm not mad again, about it. I'm no, I'm not either. I lo- again, I love what they've done with the show. Um, and even if it's like a, a loose explanation, um, I just need to hear that, which I didn't quite get from Sybil. She explained what they want, but I still don't understand, again, how that's symbiotic to jumping through space and time. Speaking of that, um, I don't watch The Next Time On. We've, we talk about that a lot on, on this podcast. Um, so if you do watch that, then you'll probably, you might know the answer to this, but Brian, do you have any theories as to what actually happened on the Zephyr once Deke got off to chase Mac and why they're jumping again? So, I, because Gemma was like freaking out when she called him. I don't think they, I mean, they don't know when they're going to jump, right? But it sounded, no, they don't, but it sounded on the radio, Gemma said like something else was happening too. It seemed like there was like some emergency that he she needed Deke to come back on the ship for. Yeah, other than they're jumping, or maybe they got some sort of communication. And I know we literally just said we don't want Fitz now, but unless they got some sort of communication from Fitz, and obviously that's Deke's grandpa, and they need to know. Or maybe this is a crazy theory, but what maybe what if one of the agents of Shield they figured out is a Chronicom, and he's he or she has been like embedded in the team and was making them jump again. It's fucking May. I don't know. Cause May's emotion reading power seems like something to, but May's basically a chromacon <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. She's, she was a, she was, she's like a hipster chromacon. She was a chromacon before it was cool. She's got her beanie and her, uh, Brooklyn logger in the corner. So like I was a chromacon. <laughs> like I'm so over it now that there's like a bunch of them. Um, last thing I, I just want to say real quick, the CGI was absolutely incredible when they shot the missiles and oh, yeah. at the Zephyr and the Zephyr released the flares that was dare I say better than some of the MCU movies at times. And it, it was maybe not doing it intentionally, but it was like an homage to the first Iron Man. The first time he tests out the Mark two yeah. and he's flying and those missiles get launched at him and he has to shoot the flares behind him. Yeah, it was, uh, just so that's they don't need to spend money on better acting or better writing now. They already have it. They don't need this isn't a show that needs great sets. So this is where they're putting their money into it and it it's just so fucking well done. I've always thought in this show that the, the Zephyr which they've used so much has looked really really good. It's the greatest constant in the entire series from literally episode 1 when Fury gave it to Coulson. Mhm. I love it. All right. What do you want to leave the people with for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 6? I mean, I just I just hope Mac brought enough money to buy 35 Zimas for Deke. Oh, yeah. Zima, is that a thing in 82? Probably right around. There's some yeah. other bitch beer they can give him, if not. I mean, if not, Deke's obviously going to invent it with his entrepreneurial skills. All right. For the Mad Scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys for listening to us, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you type in Bro4Squad as three separate words, you'll find us there. And check us out on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we'll see you next week in the mid-80s. How much he goes, He's about to uh, order a... a... I fucked that up all up. <laughs>